Good morning, and welcome to the Social Collectives Podcast. We are on episode 40. Hey, hey Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we are here today with Tasha Rogers with Vets to Pets. And we're super duper excited to talk to her. We're not just going to talk about the veterinarian business and how amazing all of our pets are and what we can do to keep them safe and well. We are also going to talk about another aspect of the veterinarian business that most people probably are not aware of. I think there's some articles coming out about it recently, which is a good thing. But Tasha is dedicated to bringing awareness to this aspect of the veterinarian business. And we're really happy to have her here to just talk about that. We also have your podcast guy, (laughs) my podcast guy, (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Sefchik. And he has your podcast guy and he's our host with me today. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Awesome. So thank you, Tasha, for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. It was kismet because I was on Facebook and I I don't know how, I can't remember, but I saw you and I was like, oh, she's cool. And I think our friend requested you. (laughs) And then we were going to be BFFs. Yes, yes. And here we are. (laughs) And then here we are. (laughs) But we did have one lunch where I got to learn a little bit more about you and what you're all about. And and I want to talk to you about not only your business, but some of your passion projects. Awesome. So just a little bit about me. I've been a veterinarian for almost 20 years, uh, 2004 graduate of Virginia Tech. So um, when I initially graduated, I thought I would be in private practice at the same place for my whole entire life. But I guess God does have a sense of humor. So it's been a little bit of a, you know, kind of a tortuous, um, you know, career, but it's been an amazing one. And um, I was able to start a veterinary relief service. It's, it's been about 10 years since I started the relief service. So we're like fill-in doctors. We go fill-in for doctors all over D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Florida, Georgia. We have doctors in quite a few states. So um, actually during the pandemic is when I started my house call service. I was taking care of my neighbor's pets just all in the, the community that I live in. And so just wanted to take care of their pets when they couldn't get into other veterinary clinics during the pandemic. One of them said to me, you should start a mobile vet service. And so I started Vets to Pets two years ago and we have been rocking and rolling. I definitely appreciate your your invite to, you know, I know when we first chatted, you were all excited about, oh, let's talk about puppies and kittens, which <laughs> is what most people think veterinary medicine really is. But I want to use this platform to really talk about the the dumpster fire that is our profession right now. You know, I, I have lots of friends that are veterinarians, and I, I would say nine and a half out of 10 of them, if you ask them if they would do it again, they say no, because right now our profession, we have what we talked about. We have the highest suicide rate of any, any profession. That's we shocking. That's are, what I wanted to address. What? Yes. And that's really? a, yes, we do by far. We are losing on average two veterinarians per week to suicide. And so I want to use this platform to highlight our just our dumpster fire, just the fact that we are we are dying to be in a profession that we love. So wow. we are also writing a book, um, myself and Caitlin Sharapova, Michelle Pevahouse, who are two of my veterinary colleagues. I've known them for many, many years. And we just, I mean, we're at the point that we were just like, we got to figure out something. Several weeks ago, one of my friends who's been in the veterinary profession for 30 years on Easter, he killed himself. Hmm. And so even in the midst of writing this book, we are losing colleagues as we speak. What is, as I'm sure everybody wants to know, 
what the hell is going on? Absolutely. And so, you know, the things that people don't realize about veterinary medicine, I mean, Number one, it's the type of people that get into veterinary school. We're perfectionists. I mean, in order to be in veterinary school, you have to be more competitive than even being a human doctor. I mean, we always joke that if you don't get into vet school, you go to human medical school because it's easier That's to get true. into. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we're perfectionists and we are people pleasers. We tend to be introverted. We tend to be non-confrontational. Social media has, has definitely, I would say, increased the amount of bullying toward veterinarians. Um, we we have, it, it's almost mm-hmm. like a perfect storm. I mean, before COVID, we already were, you know, operating on skeleton shifts. We have lots of debt from school and veterinarians don't make a lot of money. I know a lot of people think that when they take their dog to the vet and it's $500 that the vet's driving off in a Maserati in the back. But veterinarians, when I graduated in 04, after getting a doctorate degree, my salary was $55,000 a year. Wow. I actually qualified for low-income housing. That's how- Wow. Yeah. And most veterinarians are coming out of school with about $250,000 worth of debt. And so, um, you know, you compound that with people who love their animals. I feel like sometimes people care more about their pets than they do their family because it's just a different connection. Right. We talk about a lot about the human-animal bond, but within that bond, it's people who are very attached to their pets. And so where human doctors can walk in and say, we're going to do these tests. They don't have to talk about cost. They're not, you know, clients commonly say to me, well, you know, I don't have the money. And, you know, if you cared about my dog, you would help them. Right. But at the same time, if we did that for every client that couldn't afford service, then we wouldn't have a building or supplies or a team to be able to, you know, to help their pet. And so our staff members are generally paid very little. So we have very high turnover. And then, you know, veterinary medicine has recently undergone like a corporatization. So 50% of vet practices are owned by corporations, i.e. guys. Yeah. Guys in suits who know nothing about what we do. They know nothing about, I mean, the most people that I talk to that are veterinarians have wanted to be vets since they were two or three. Mm -hmm. And so we have people who walk in to take over the profession who only care about money. And they will make you work more hours. I mean, I recently just hired a doctor who left a practice. She was working 70 hours per week. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you even have a life at 70 hours per week? You don't. Exactly. And so she literally took five weeks off. She said, I just need to just get my head out of the clouds. So, you know, I'm lucky enough that I actually, you know, I left a corporate job when I had my youngest child and I said, I need to find something better than what's happening. You know, as a professional, as a mom, you're trying to balance being a mom, being a veterinarian. And unfortunately, even though our our profession is 90% women, it's still very, very run by men. And so a lot of the things that we as mothers value, you know, the old school thought is, well, you just, you push through and you just work these hours. And so we literally have the perfect storm right now. And I, you know, I can't help but to say that everybody that I've mentioned to about our suicide rate, they're blown away. But in the profession, we are, we literally are drowning. We are absolutely drowning. I remember during COVID, what you said about social media is correct that people were really upset with the veterinarians in Loudoun County, I can speak for. It was all over the community groups that you had to park in the parking lot and you couldn't go in with your pet. And there was a long wait. There was a whole procedure that you had to go through and people didn't want to sit in the parking lots and wait. 
It was a whole thing. Do you remember this? Absolutely. I lived it. <laughs> okay. Do I remember? I lived it. That's crazy. And I, I just remember, remember doing that. I, I didn't it. have a problem with it. But and so, crazy. you know, but, but we were doing it for our safety and that's how little we're valued is that people look at us as not even human because it's like, we are doing this for our safety, but the, you know, the, the backlash of social media for veterinarians has been, I mean, it, it's been literally, it's killing us. And yeah. So, it's killing you. It's killing so many people. It's killing mm-hmm. kids, but I mean, it's killing, mm-hmm. this is the whole toxic culture. And I hate to even use that cliche, mm-hmm. but the toxic culture is accurate of social media because they go in and they attack people mm-hmm. and then the mob jumps on and it's a whole five minutes of sunshine for somebody right. to be seen and heard in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of that is a human being who has been, like you said, working 70 hours a week with $250,000 in debt and other things going on. Absolutely. And it's exhausting. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, people, I do in-home euthanasias and people commonly ask me if that's, they're like, I don't know how you do this. You know, this has to be hard, but that's not the hardest part of my job. I mean, the hardest part of my job is, you know, there's a pet here that's suffering and the owner doesn't want to help it or they can't financially help it. I mean, death is not the worst thing ever, you know, if you Uh really think about it. And so, I mean, there's so many things that, you know, people don't understand. So they're saying now, well, gosh, we can't get into the veterinary and that's because a lot of vets are leaving the profession. We are literally, we can't graduate doctors fast enough. I think right now for every uh, one veterinarian, there's 18 jobs available. And so wow. when I graduated, it was just the opposite. I mean, for every, you know. That poses a little bit of a problem. Absolutely. Though, and people now- are getting more pets. Yeah. And then, you know, if the prices go up, then that's an, you have, the prices have to go up. Okay, so. That begs the question. You're writing a book. Mm-hmm. You have a podcast. Yes. What can be done and what is being done to help the situation? I think just what we're doing now, bringing light to the fact that, you know, that this is happening. Even the the ghostwriter that we're using to write the book, she has pets. And so she said, what can we do? And I said, you can be nicer to your veterinary staff. You can be more understanding when you go in. And they say, we're shorthanded. It's going to take a little bit longer. We can also, you know, if people are on social media bashing their veterinary professionals, you know, say to them, hey, allow them some grace. And actually let them know that mm-hmm. our profession has the highest suicide rate. I feel like when I say that to clients that are, you know, and, and I'm very open with that. We have a client code of conduct. I am very protective of my staff. They know that I am so protective of them because I know how we, you know, we really want to do the best that we can, but shit happens, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, um, and so just being respectful to the staff, encouraging others to be, you know, mm-hmm to be respectful. If they're on social media and they're saying, like the other day, a client, someone was asking about a vet and they mentioned my name and they said, well, they don't do suturing in home. I mean, first of all, that, it's just not even, mm-hmm. you know, it, they were saying a negative <laughs> call. We are a mobile service. No, I'm not going to do anesthesia You're on your You're not a dog. mobile no. surgery unit. <laughs> I mean, I would be, you know, no. committing malpractice yes. to do surgery on yes. your dog. And, I'm, and so I think people just have to understand. And I always say, People may not, if you've never really run a small business, you don't understand the heart and passion of what goes into Mm -hmm. that business. And even as a veterinarian, people don't understand what goes into eight years of school Mm -hmm. of trying to be in a profession that unfortunately hasn't evolved with the times. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of misogyny in our profession and um, it's, you know, it, 
So I think to answer your question, what you can do is just help other people understand that, hey, it's not your vet's responsibility to figure out how to pay for your dog's surgery when you didn't get pet insurance or you have a dog that you may not be able to afford. Do your research. Encourage other people. My neighbors said to me they want to get a dog, and I said, hey, talk to me before you get the dog because I can help you before. Once you get the dog, then it's a little bit different. But people should plan. If you have a pet, it's a biologic being. It's going to get sick. Mm -hmm. It's going to need routine care. And don't make that your vet's problem. Don't make that the staff's problem. There was, we talked a little bit about this. There was a veterinary team member that was killed on Mother's Day because a client was upset about her bill. And oh so she, she, he was shot and killed. His mom worked at the clinic as well. It's been all over the veterinary news. Yeah. Um, I, I believe it's, I won't say the hospital's name, but um, it's it's a clinic that um, that his mom worked there and he was protecting the staff and oh someone God. was upset about their bill and shot and killed him. I mean, I've had to call the police on a client. We talk about that in the book. It was a client who had a dog that he hadn't spayed. She was pregnant and she'd been in labor for two days he didn't have the money to pay for a C-section. And so I paid for the pain medication out of my own pocket. He had no money for even pain meds until we could figure out a game plan. And then, you know, I offered him referral. I offered him turning the dog over. He opted for humane euthanasia and he cursed at me. He called me all kinds of names, threatened my staff, I had to call the police. And so this is just me trying to do an honest day's work. I didn't, you know, it's not you, my fault. That's the other thing. You, as small business owners, especially a mobile service, you subject yourself, you open yourself up to the public. Yes. To anybody. Yes. And that is a risk. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about last week how to, should we arm our staff with mace versus, you know, then you have to think about the liability of having team members with mace and, mm -hmm. you know, but it's a reality. People are violent and I feel like just the codes of what's acceptable behavior, mm -hmm. it's not there anymore. It's, you know, it, it seems like it's eroding. The boundaries are, are dissipating. Mm -hmm. Moral boundaries and just common sense in many cases. And so that is one of the reasons why we, <laughs> I started the collective was just to create a space, which there was a ton of blowback on that when mm -hmm. it first started. People were like, oh, this is a positivity echo chamber. I don't want to be involved. I'm like, fine. Bye. Wow. Um, if you don't want to be involved. <laughs> so, but there had to be a space for small business owners to come and to not experience that because Absolutely. myself, I was feeling that. Absolutely. Always advertising for artisan plumbing. I was out there in the community groups, subject to whoever for whatever, valid or not. And I just was wearing me down. Right. So there had to be a space. And so we have that now, awesome. but that is not the case most places. Absolutely. And for small business owners, I mean, it, it definitely is almost like a village. And so, I mean, I appreciate you for doing that. It just gives us a, a platform for positivity because there's a lot of factors that make it hard each day. I mean, I think we're all mm -hmm. um, nervous about um, negative social media. And so my team, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful that I have a team that understands that, again, I protect them very well. If a client makes a comment, we're very quick to make a very professional rebuttal, but that takes energy. It takes a lot of energy. It that, does, and it takes because away you have from, to compartmentalize your yes. initial response, which is probably the appropriate one. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Violence, no, just So kidding. there's a lot of compartmentalizing. <laughs> yes. 
Well, it's, it's, it's a shame that we even have to go there. Yes. It's a shame that we even have to go well, there. Well, and then you're an empathetic person. Mm-hmm. So so in order to do what you do, and I would assume in mass, most of the the medical professionals, especially vets. For sure are just empathetic people. For sure. Very intuitive, very sensitive. You would have to be. Yes. And so that in itself, and then that with the public involved and any person, and then money involved For also, sure. it is a mix. So that's hard. People don't know what goes into our profession. I was talking to my dentist the other day, and they and he said, gosh, you guys, nobody understands how many species and how many nuances you have to know. And so, you know, I'm grateful that the human medical profession acknowledges and recognizes the wealth of knowledge that we have. But, um, you know, even my son the other day, he goes, mom, aren't you just like a nurse? And I looked at him and I said, no, because a nurse can't take out your liver. Oh my <laughs> so God. A nurse can't surgically remove your spleen. And so even my kids like don't understand the depth of knowledge. Absolutely. For sure. Well, speaking of that, so you're not just, not just mm-hmm. a doctor mm-hmm. or the owner of an amazing vet service. You're not only writing a book and running a podcast, <laughs> but you also are a mom. For sure. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's my my most favorite job. Uh, <laughs> it definitely tests my uh, my sanity some days. But I have two children. I have a 14-year-old son. And I have an 8-year-old daughter who will either run the world or a prison gang <laughs> one day. Or maybe both at the same time. She would probably crush them I both. I think these days you can do both. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I try to instill in them just, you know, the business. I, I, I want my kids to be entrepreneurs. One of the things that I learned at my last job is that I never want to work for anybody ever again, and I want to put my trust in myself. And so, you know, I worked for guys in suits who had degrees that weren't in science and would tell me how to do my job. And so I want to pave the way for my children to be able to be business owners and successful business owners. And I think they see that every day. I 100% agree. So I definitely don't like being told what to do (laughs) or in any way having a schedule. So (laughs) (laughs) being an entrepreneur is for me. For sure. And it's not not for everybody. I totally get that. It definitely takes the right type of person. I always joke because my husband, when he he owned a law firm for years, he was an amazing attorney, but he sucked as a businessman. And I said that to him Uh all the time. I was like, if you can just be over here and do this part, but it's not for everybody. It's It's literally, you're on 24 seven. And even if you're not like doing work, I'm always thinking about my next marketing idea. I'm your always peripheral thinking- vision is on point. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you are focused forward, but your peripherals happening. Absolutely. You I'm- see all the opportunities, yes. you see what's happening and Absolutely. you gather all that information. For that's sure. an entrepreneur. For sure. For sure. And yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, I'm always thinking about how can I evolve the business or how can we make it better? And so, yeah, it's, it's an all day. I, mean, I took a vacation recently and I would see something and I'm like, oh, that's great for the business. And my husband's like, turn it off. You know, you just need to turn it off. It's hard to turn it off when can't. you love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for can't. sure. For sure. <laughs> that's right. You enjoy it. It's, it's, you enjoy it. And it's, you do need a break though. Like, because we enjoy it so much that we can sometimes go hard to the point of burnout and yes. therefore we need to plan those vacations. Yeah. And you know, and I think one of the ways that I avoid burnout and people ask me all the time, how do you get so much done? I have an amazing team. And I think that's the big key. 
and being an, a successful entrepreneur is just having an amazing team that also has the ownership mentality. And so I know that my team will push me and I'm like, wait guys, I think we're good for the week. I think we've done really well. <laughs> and they want to push me harder. And so it's having people on your team that feel like they own the company as well. Yeah. And that it's That's their own. That's the key. Absolutely. It's not in numbers. It's in ownership mentality. Absolutely. And having that team that has a, that same passion that will yes. push you even when you're not pushing yourself. That's yes. exactly right. Absolutely. That's the team. And mm-hmm. we have an amazing team. That's awesome. And Aaron is one of those amazing people who pushes me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, right. Sometimes we need a push. We get tired too, you know? Oh my gosh. I was literally physically being pushed up a hill the other night. Um, my my son, my son Dane was um, like, mom, get up. Ah. So I, I'm doing that. And, um, and so I walked and we walked down a hill and I thought the whole time we were going down the hill, I thought, oh my God, I have to go back up this hill. Um, we ended up, Dane would push me and I had no shame in my game. Like people were driving by. I was like, that's fine. Let this kid push me up the hill. That's right. That's the good team. And that's, that's right. teamwork. That's right. That's teamwork. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what your service area is. What animals do you cover? Do you sure. do equine? or? <laughs> so I've been trained to do all animals. However, we, so our coverage area is all of Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. I'm licensed in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, but our coverage for the mobile service is Northern Virginia. And we, we mainly see dogs and cats. I actually just hired a doctor who will be doing exotics at home. So birds, Bearded Dragons, um, that's her jam. And so I also have another doctor that recently joined our team who will be doing large animals. So she likes equine. She likes goats. Um, Again, I'm trained to do them if I... If there were no more dogs and cats, I could see them. Um, I could figure out something. I guess some of the knowledge would come back from 20 years ago. I think your schedule's filled enough. Though. Yes, you're, yes. You're okay. I'm busy yes. that day, for you're sure. Busy. For sure, absolutely. But, I mean, and, and again, they have a passion for exotics. And for me, like, I know how to do bird nail trims and beak trims, but I would prefer right. not to. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so we, we do cover, again, all of Northern Virginia, I mainly do dogs and cats. We do see a lot of clients that their dogs don't do well in in an in-clinic setting. Um, Some of them have seen veterinary behaviorists and we're working through just being able to just handle them gently. We practice fear-free medicine. So that's a whole new concept. I love that. I saw that on your website and I just love that. So tell us about that. So fear-free means just that. We are trying to almost make pets think it's their idea to be seen, but we want to cause the least amount of stress for their visit, because what we figured out is that if we cause the least amount of stress, the next visit, it's easier and not harder. And so, you know, back in my day, we did what we call bruticane. You hold them down, you get it done, you use all your strength. But then we thought, okay, well, then the next time they come in, they're even more amped up. And so it takes- Trained behavior. Absolutely. That was like my son's pediatrician in Winchester. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The bruticane. The (laughs) bruticane, which is terrible. I mean, it's terrible. It is, you know, the dog, cat, they learn that yes. when they go in the carrier yes. or whatnot like that, they're going to the doctor. Absolutely. That's not what I want. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, I will fight you too and it's fight the nail flight. sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> and they will kill you. Like I've seen an out nine pound cat take out a grown man before. <gasps> wow. You know, they literally just, I mean, it's like if you turn around and you see a bear coming behind you, you're going to, you're going to run. Yeah. And so what we've learned is that if we can gently handle them, so we use lots of treats, just being able to sit on the floor and build a rapport with them. Mm -hmm. Also, we do use medications as well 
for all cats that we see, we prescribe a very safe medication called gabapentin. Mm -hmm. It just literally helps to kind of take it down a few notches. I mean, even the nicest cat, um, most of them don't like to be handled. And so we use a little cloth called a cat cozy where we wrap the cats in the little cozy. We can take out their little paws. And I have seen so many pets where owners say, this is amazing because otherwise he would never see a vet. Oh my God. And I love so, it. Yeah, that is, absolutely. actually makes me want to go. Yeah. I want to be in a cat cozy with Gabba Pen. Absolutely. That's right. Same. Sign me up for sure. For sure. Meow. Yes. yes. You'll have to bark or meow. That's yes. my Friday night. That's right. That's right. So yeah. So Dr. Amy Pike, who's um, an amazing veterinary behaviorist, she's in the area and we get a lot of her patients that have kind of graduated from her, um, you know, these are dogs that otherwise can't be handled or so we do see a lot of patients from her and we work with her to be able to continue where she left off as far as being able to draw blood on these patients. And don't get me wrong, not every patient will allow all of these things. But what I can tell you is that I see the difference. I mean, I've done this for enough years that I've seen it and done it the Brudicane way. But now with Fear Free, I see a palpable difference and the animals respond and the owners mm-hmm. respond differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. Oh, my gosh. So if I brought my pet in mm-hmm. and the vibe was like meditative and it was like the cozy yes. and there was this path towards gabapentin where you know, there's this expectation of relaxation. Then I, myself as the owner who they're in touch with, yes. right? We're vibing on each other. Absolutely. Um, is chill. Absolutely. Right? And so that helps the animal chill Absolutely. Out. And to be honest, it helps the business as well. For sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you because yes. you care. I care about my pet. You did a great job mm-hmm. versus the opposite, which is very much true. Well, I'm never doing that again. For sure. Traumatic. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, not only does it help just the overall experience, it allows us to do our job better. Yeah. Because I can't look at a cat's mouth that's trying to kill me. Mm. But if I can give it gabapentin and put it in a cat cozy and be really gentle, I can open its mouth and, oh, wait, I see an oral tumor that no owner has, you know, is never going to open up their right. cat's no. mouth. No. So we're able to pick up on diseases that we otherwise, because again, our patients don't talk. And so the physical exam is what allows us to be able to, to gather the knowledge to keep them healthy. Right. And so a lot of times I'm picking up on those things. Like I had a dog recently that the owner's like, nobody can touch him. So we medicated him. We fed him lots of treats. I was able to look in his ears and he had a horrible ear infection. So we figured out he was sensitive to people petting him on the mm-hmm. head because his ears hurt. But mm-hmm. for so many years... We weren't able to, no one knew. Right. And so not only just calming them allows us to be able to give them better health care. You know what? I have a point to make. So many people say, oh, I'm being charged all this extra money for blood tests and urine tests and fecal tests that are unnecessary. That's just a money grab, blah, blah, blah. What you just said explains all of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The, the, the pets don't speak. So you have to Scooby-Doo all that. Yes. So in order to do that, you have to get all the evidence. I get triggered by the word unnecessary in our profession because Uh (laughs) one thing that veterinarians don't want to do is read unnecessary lab tests. I mean, we get no joy out of reading more tests. I mean, for crying out loud, we read tests all day. And so 
because clients don't see their dogs being sick and their cats, especially Mm -hmm. they feel like if we do blood tests, it's unnecessary, but that's the whole point. It's preventative care. And so Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many patients I've done that blood test. And I say, well, your cat is pre-diabetic. And then they go, oh, you know what? He maybe has been drinking a little bit more water. Part of owning a cat, you have to be a detective. And so I'm going to pick up on those subtleties. Clients always say, well, I just want the vaccine. I don't need the exam, but ma'am, your dog has a higher chance of dying from an, an illness that I can pick up on an exam versus rabies. I mean, rabies is pretty rare on an indoor animal. So the physical exam is the part you do really mm-hmm. want. Yeah, the rabies is required by law, mm-hmm. but the physical exam is so very important. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'll press on a bladder and the owners will say, well, you know, she has peed in the house a few times. Mm-hmm. And so otherwise, you know, we're working as a team, but if I don't do that exam, I mean, that's my best diagnostic tool. It's going to well, get me even more. Even when you take your children into the pediatrician uh-huh. or you go to the doctor, they ask you a series of questions yes. to eliminate certain tests that might possibly need to be done. Uh-huh. But on a pet, there's no way to ask them those questions. You yes. have to just kind of assume based on what the the owner Correct. tells you, which is which is limited, <laughs> which is limited. And you know, and again, animals try to mask illness. So mm-hmm. the last person to know that your cat is sick is you. And so the the things that your cat's not telling you, that's what we're picking up on. But you know, just to kind of piggyback off of that. I feel like, you know, places that will just give the vaccine without seeing the pet, it devalues what we do. Mm -hmm. And so people say, well, just get the vaccine from Tractor Supply. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. Sometimes the vaccine is what brings the pet into the clinic. Mm -hmm. But most of the pets that we see, especially over the age of six or seven, have illness that needs to be addressed, whether they're overweight, whether they have Mm -hmm. dental disease, whether they have arthritis. And so, again, just getting the vaccine at the vaccine clinic, great. Get you a cheap vaccine, Mm -hmm. but still have your pet have a regular physical exam Mm -hmm. because I can tell you your doctor that's trained to pick up on diseases in animals is going to do a better job than you even though you're home all the time with it. I hear you okay and I'm going to shout this out to (laughs) all the people I know I only know two there's not that many but all the people I know that literally have stocked up on fish antibiotics Mm. okay in preparation for some apocalyptic war okay there's antibiotics, I forget what it's called, but it's a version of a a Z-pack or something like that. Mm, Azithromycin. Yeah. And so it's, but it's for fish Mm -hmm. and you can buy it through Amazon and you can buy it for all different types of animals. Sure. But they have stocked up on these things so they don't have to go to the doctor if they get sick. They can just take their fish pills. So, I mean, number one, um, you know, just having antibiotics to take casually causes resistance. And so, I mean, even in pets and people like we're seeing, you know, MRSA, we're seeing resistant infections and your friends are the ones that are causing it. I mean, if you're just taking antibiotics all the time, that's why now, even when we go to the doctor, the doctors do not pass out antibiotics like they used to do back in the day. I mean, I had to like beg for antibiotics for a sinus infection. I had to like prove that it was yellow. And I mean, that makes sense because now we are dealing with super Bugs, bugs. in dogs and in people, dogs, cats, Mm -hmm. people, all species that we can't kill because of people that take them casually. Now, if you have to stock up because we do have an apocalyptic zombie war, (laughs) then I'm going to come to your house and take your fish poles if I need them. But in the meantime... Go to the doctor. Yeah. I just, I don't think that if we have an apocalypse, azithromycin is probably not going to help you. You're right. <laughs> just saying. I'm ready to go early. Yeah. I don't right. need to survive that. For sure. For sure. <laughs> anyway, so is there, do you have, I'm going to leave it with this. Do you have three tips? And I know you probably get asked this all the time, 
but three tips that you can share with our audience about how they can appreciate their veterinarians. I don't know. We have teacher appreciation week. (laughs) Maybe you could do something for the vets out there. What they can do for preventative care, which the best thing they can do for dogs and cats. And then also one last thing I would say is share with our audience what they can do as entrepreneurs, since we have mostly entrepreneurs in our audience, to protect themselves, to create those boundaries. For sure. That protect yourself and your team. Okay, so question number one is what can I talk to, you know, the audience about to help our profession? I mean, I would just say allow us grace. I mean, understand that we were dealt the circumstances of the pandemic and just every associate in a veterinary hospital can't control what the prices are. The front desk doesn't control the schedule or what the prices are. They are just doing their job. They're just trying to make a living. And so as we would want to be allowed grace, I would ask that people allow their veterinary staff grace. Drop them off some food. We're probably hungry because most days we don't get lunch because we're working through lunch to make sure that your pets are being taken care of. That's a really good – drop off some lunch. drop off some lunch for them. Just send them food, and, you know, we all love food. We'll never turn it down. Tacos Um, is usually a basic. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we will take whatever. I mean, you know, and the the thing to remember, too, is a lot of veterinary professionals are very underpaid. And so you might think, oh, I drop off lunch, but that for them might be the difference in them getting lunch and not. And then number two, as far as preventing care for clients, get pet insurance. You know, just like for us, we have insurance because shit happens. And so don't wait until your pet has, you know, a surgery that's going to cost $10,000. I mean, we use the same drugs and skills that human doctors do. And the same surgery that costs your pet 10000 probably costs you 100000 right. So get pet insurance and plan ahead. If you're getting a new puppy, then have a plan in place for what happens if that puppy gets sick. But pet insurance is a very viable option, even though you have to pay and be reimbursed by most of them. I can cough up the money if I know I'm going to get reimbursed. It's a little what, bit easier. Do you have a pet insurance that you recommend? So um, I have to say that I get no benefits from recommending any pet insurance. The benefit that I get is that my patients are taken care of if they come in and they have it. I mean, studies have shown that people with pet insurance tend to do more for their pets. I mean, that's a no-brainer that, you know, I could have done that study. But the ones that I would recommend are Pumpkin, which is um, Soetis is the parent company, and Pfizer is the even more parent okay. company. So Pumpkin pet insurance. I would say nationwide, the car insurance, they actually have pet insurance as well. Trupanion is another one that's really good. And so those were the ones that I would, you know, that I would recommend. Some jobs now even offer pet insurance as a benefit. And so you may want to check with your- That's really cool. That's awesome. You may want to check with your job or even as entrepreneurs, offer it to your staff Mm -hmm. as a benefit. So I'm actually working through to be able to offer it to my team as a benefit because most people in our profession have animals and we usually have the ones with like three legs and medical and glaucoma. You know, we usually have the ones- (laughs) That's true. Because we take take the ones that are, you know, that nobody else wants. And so we do get stuck with, you know, I shouldn't say stuck with them. we tend to adopt the ones that have the special more needs. Situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. We always joke, of course, you're owned by a veterinary professional. You have every disease known to man. So um, just offering pet insurance as a benefit to your team members. So the third one was boundaries. about boundaries. So I always tell my team, if you don't set boundaries for people, they'll set them for you. And so no is a complete sentence. One of the things that I, I do with my team, I, we, we covet our personal, our off time and we need to hit the reset button. That's time for us to be able to mentally decompress from the week. So I think boundaries comes from the top, from leadership. 
If you work at a company where the leader overworks and doesn't have boundaries, that's kind of trickles down. So for me as a leader, I'm the one that, you know, like my operations manager for the house call service, I made her take time off next month. And I said to her, listen, you've, you've worked too much. It's time for a vacation. So we joke that we force people to take vacations, but I know that she would burn herself out. And I, you know, part of, I mean, we know that part of preventing burnout is by setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so if we're able to set those boundaries, then we don't have to deal with burnout and trying to dig out of burnout, which is very, very tough. Yeah. So for me, it's me as a leader from the top, helping them to set boundaries because some of the the people on our team are really young and they want to be, you know, they want to do a good job and they want to work. And I say, listen, we all need a break. Cause sometimes I tell them, I say, I'm, I need a break. So y'all have to take a break because I'm tired. So (laughs) I think it all comes from the top and just listening to your team. If they're starting to, sometimes I'll notice like, you know, our moods are changing and I'm like, you know what? We need a spa day. We do hang out at Salamander quite a bit. You might see us <laughs> over there. One of our team members is going today for a massage. I said, listen, this is, you know, go take a massage, go get a massage, hit the reset button. I just feel like the leadership that you demonstrate is how you set boundaries for your team. You literally have to set them from the top. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing, amazing podcast and we really appreciate it. So Tasha with Vets to Pets, if you have any need for mobile services or otherwise, give them a call. They're pretty freaking amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. What is your podcast? What is your socials? It's Real Talk Unleashed, and I think that's also, I'm so bad with the handles. But if you go, we're on Spotify, and it's Real Talk Unleashed. I love the name. Thank you so much. So go out. Mm